One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalt, from the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. Like Danny was so annoying before he went green, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's happening. Danny is just gonna get second or third, and I'm gonna lose the overall. This is it, you know. And I so I went to Amory, and I was like, yo, dude, fuck, that was such a cool season. I'm pissed off, but congrats for running. When by the time I said that, the last, now the second to last split comes up and then he's green. This season was insane. I remember I, I won three races, Loic won three races. He was like, Burr! it never happens. Like, fuck. Normally, when you win three races, you win the overall. This, this should be a rule. When I was younger, when I was really small, I was a riding horse. Pompon was a pony. Fort William's a bit different to everything else on the World Cup circuit. Are you a fan of that track? Uh, no. <laughs> no, actually, I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I think that place is like, I felt like when I came home, I was like, man, I feel like I was out there at a race for six months after being there for three days. I was like, this place is <laughs> just like going to war. It just, it got worse as the weekend went on. Like, the computer tells you everything, but at the end of the day, you just take the fucking brakes off and go fast. It's <laughs> 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 <Right. That's> pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. 
Hello and welcome to episode 7 of season 4 of the podcast. For those who've asked, yes, we are still doing the podcast. I'm not naming any names, but someone took on a bit too much this summer and lessons have been learned. But we're back now and what a show we have for you. Firstly, we'll be recapping on the last few weeks of the season. Then we'll be chatting with the man who dominated the 2022 World Cup, the dream crusher, Amory Piron, and we'll be closing out the show with Magnus Manson, the 2018 Canadian national champ who's been battling blood cancer, but recently announced that it was in remission. Right, let's go. Let's start with you, Emmy. I mean, if we were to talk about winners and losers this season, right in the centre of the winner's circle would be Emily Siegenthaler. Is there anything you've touched this season that hasn't turned to gold? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say everything has turned to gold. Bernard hasn't turned to gold yet. This <laughs> point four off, poor guy. And he had his heart broken at Hardline because obviously that's the event. Like, like he really, really wanted to win. And but I wasn't there, so maybe that's the reason why. Maybe that is <laughs> the reason why. Let's let's start with Cami because that is that is one brave woman. Wins in snowshoe by four seconds to give her a decent lead in the overall. Crashes in practice at Mont Saint and breaks a collarbone. At that stage, did you, she, think it might all be over? Oh, I thought it was all over. I thought yeah. I was getting Swiss champ. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, obviously, she had her ideas. And I mean, I broke my collarbone before, and yeah. I wasn't thinking about racing like two and a half, three and a half weeks after, especially not the, those track. But um, I've realized with time that Cam is a bit different in her head. So, um, yeah, she she made it happen. And that was really impressive to see. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She had the collarbone double plated. Do, does that need an op now to re, to remove any of that? Or does that stay in for a while? Um, so she had, actually, she had an appointment today for like a checkup. And the surgeon said, like, she wouldn't really need two plates. Like, it was just like, um, because he knew he, she was going to try to ride. It was like a safety thing if she had another crash. Yeah. It would just, like, stay really stable. But, um, yeah, so we'll see in the future, like, how it evolves, if it's still, like, kind of, like, because now, like, the tissues around the collarbone is kind of, like, they're kind of, like, painful. Right. But he said it's not because of the plates. Um, it could be for a lot of reasons, but obviously it hasn't been six weeks yet. So <laughs> it's like kind of hard to know, but we'll see how it evolves and maybe she gets rid of it, yeah. um, after next season or, but I think until next season, kind of need to like keep it all in. Yeah. She raced worlds just three weeks later and, and got fourth, which was remarkable. Was she in a lot of pain in Leger? Um, in Leger, she wasn't really, well, they had like, this kind of system. I think the reason why she wanted to race Leger, first of all, was like trying to like get a system going where she could like find solutions, what would work the best, you know, like for riding yeah. for like Val de Sol. So I was like, she's not going to race Leger for sure. But then she just started riding. And I think she loves the track, it's her favorite track ever. And she was like, yeah, maybe I'll do qualifying. And now she did qualifying and then blah, blah. But yeah, and we all know the story, but I think she wasn't really in a lot of pain they had like these local painkiller injections because we kind of don't want to like have like eight eat pills every day yeah. but like the anti-doping kind of thing is like makes it quite restricted that like, you can't like it's just normal ibuprofen it's not like something like really strong you can't you're not really allowed to take anything stronger so it was just to make sure like 
she was like not having like weird movements from the pain, but yeah. it was like bearable. I think it was more like the strengths, like the grip strengths that was a problem. Yeah. Um, anything else that, but like normal, it was not like actual like crazy pain. So if she'd have crashed, like any crash, would would that have pretty much been game over? Or is it more resilient than that when no, you have it? I don't think so because you still need to like, there's a lot of ways on, to crash on a on a downhill bike. You know a lot about that, George, right? Yeah. Hundred <laughs> no, yeah. um, I know. I saw a lot about it. But like, I think if you don't crash on your shoulder, like, or like with your hand like this, it wouldn't yeah. maybe do anything. I think he was also like, the surgeon was so confident. That's why also maybe she like felt confident as well. He was like, no, you can do anything. Like it's like rock solid. Right. That's cool. But um. But yeah, like a crash. She, I think she was like kind of afraid as well at the beginning in Leger yeah. because everything is like off camera on the left side and it's a left yeah. shoulder. So she was like, oh, if I crash, it's going to hit my left shoulder, you know? So, but afterwards she was riding, she didn't really think about that. It's really impressive. Really impressive. So Valdi Sol, she needed fourth or better if Valley won. She came down early and went into the lead. Then Miriam went green by miles. Nina had a good run into second. Then Jess Blewett dropped into third. So that left Valley at the top. Win and she takes the overall second and she doesn't. Let's pause. Pause it there because I have a few questions. Bearing in mind it's the track with the biggest hits on the World Cup circuit. Before race day, what did you think the chances were? Well, we're really like both hoping Miriam's going to win the race. Because that made it a lot easier for Cam to like yeah. take it. And Miriam's been very good there in the past. I think she was, we were kind of afraid she was like a little bit over this season after Leger. She's like, kind of like, oh yeah, I don't want to, I don't even yeah. want to try anymore. But I guess like her, her competitive spirit like took the best of her again and she just like tried really hard <laughs> for it. <laughs> and went also like to end it on a nice note, which was yeah. cool for her. Um, but yeah. I, I've seen Vali struggling in the past at Vali Soul, so I was kind of yeah. confident she wasn't going to win. Um, she's, and she's, I was, she said on she said on here before that it's her least favorite track. Yeah, and like I know she was the only place she didn't win as a junior. Like, yeah, I remember she didn't win there. So I was like, oh, maybe it could it could work out, you know. But she's Cam still had to be able to like do a decent run. Yeah, and we I had no idea if she could because. She almost didn't ride. So it was all, I guess, Lamenta game and she's pretty good at mental stuff. So so Cami comes down, she does a good run. You must have been pretty confident then. Did you think Miriam's run was, was going to win it? Well, I was, I was like, when she came down, I was like so proud of the run she made. She was like, for her strength then, because yeah. I know like if you're 100% already, you're like losing, like you're almost losing the front everywhere. And she was. But then I knew like she like lacking a lot of strengths on one side and you could see on every left turn she's losing the front. It was like pretty crazy. So I was like really proud and then she was exhausted mentally, physically. Like she was like, it was, it was, was kind of cool to see, but it was also painful. You're like, fuck, you yeah. just really like give it all, you know, if it doesn't work out, you're like, Pfft. but then Miriam came down and she was like 11 up. You were like, oh, that's good. Yeah, but then yeah. Va- Nina came down and she's close to, and I was like, oh, <laughs> because I know Nina had, an, had a nightmare of a weekend there. She she did a good run, but she was like, I saw her crying and at practice and stuff. So she was like not feeling well on the track. 
So I was like, Nina can't go that close. Maybe Bali can beat her, you know? Yeah. And meet Miriam. But then it just happened that Nina had a great run. So everything worked out. It was, as you say, it was an interesting end to the season because those three have been in a, a little pack out front. Valley wins Worlds, Cami mm-hmm. the overall, and Miriam the final round. So they all got something, and that seemed really fair and fitting after their battle this season. I, I take it Cami was just overjoyed with it all at the end. Yeah, she's just like, I think she was really happy that um, it was over, you know, yeah. because it was like a rough, like, three and a half weeks. Yeah. every day in the physio and you still didn't know if you did enough. And then to the last second, she didn't know. And I think it was like, like you said, everyone was kind of happy for some reason. Yeah. Um, Bali was happy because she had a Jersey. Miriam was happy because she won and Cam won the overall. So it, it, I felt like everyone was kind of like also happy with the scenario and knew that Cam deserved that overall win. So yeah, it was it was good good atmosphere. So next season, big rumours that Cammy might be trekking off into the distance or pivoting to a different team. Anything <laughs> you can uh, let us in on? <laughs> How much time do you spend doing the scripts, George? This is insane. I'll be honest, um, I stole that. Oh, you just so talented. I stole. I know. I stole that off off Vital. I think it was. Yeah. Um. So she's um. She's not going anywhere. Uh, she's still under contract with the overall. I think she's really happy there. And she has yeah. a lot of responsibility as well, like um, doing all this, like sponsors relationship and stuff. And yeah. like, she couldn't be happier. I think no, I think the team is not going to change. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a good setup for her. So yeah. cool. we'll see and- when the contract ends, but for now it's the best setup she can have, I think. Cool. And then there's Jenna, your little protege. The new world champion. How proud did that make you feel? Oh, really proud. I was like, this was also kind of like a crazy story because she's just like, obviously she'd never been overseas before. Yeah. So coming into Lord's first run, she's just like lost and didn't have a warm-up routine. She didn't really know what to do with herself and what to do on a track because it's just like, it couldn't be any different than Rotura like Lord's, you know? Yeah. And... Seeing seeing her like being able to like go on podium and also like get dealing with the pressure so well and she almost missed a start in qualifying as well because the guys there are like completely idiots they told you they told me they were like late because of reruns and stuff like I was like are you late they're like yes but then they weren't and they weren't calling the riders you know they're not like yeah. they're number three they're not calling the riders. And they already he already had DNS on next to Jenna's name, and she was what? there. Yeah, and I was like, and then they didn't want her to wear the GoPro, so they like had to take it off, and then they left her a minute and blah blah. But it was like it was hectic, and exact second in qualifying, putting a glove ten seconds before going, and I was like, whoa, she's like she's on it, you know. Yeah, and I guess finals pressure got the best of. Um, the other two riders that were really, really strong, like Phoebe Gill and Isabella Yankova, they both like crashed quite yeah. early in the race. And she also could be Gracie, which she hasn't done a lot this year. So yeah, we're like also stuck because it's Pivot's first world champion like title yeah. and having a young woman doing it is like special for me, for sure. It is amazing. You've come on, you know, brought her along this season and she goes and wins yeah and i think it's not just me like she took it like she took a she's just like someone that learns so fast also from bernard 
the racecraft that he has and and Eddie's also like way to approach things and from mad from everyone. Yeah. And she took a like a little mix of everyone's strengths and and could like put a good run together. So that was insane. Then there's Bernard and Conti, who you were doing the socials for. One end to the season, Bernard must be buzzing. Yeah, he was buzzing until hardline, like I said. And now yeah. he's like he broke his finger, I think. I was like not a big price to pay for the crash that he had a headline but yeah he was buzzing from all the season and like I think he he reflect on it with like a lot of pride because he did the work in the winter and that paid off and um yeah he will be hungry for for maybe getting that win that retirement win next year <laughs> <laughs> so and with Colburn and Bernard on the overall podium Conti must be pretty pleased as well yeah so they have a world champ title with Jenna and yeah. then like um, podium to Bernard and Cole, and also, uh, so I think everyone from all the teams that they have podium at one point. Wow, that's because cool. because Amy Kenyon from Pinkback Racing podium yeah. as well, and and Ronan podium as well. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And they must be doing something right. I think they had a great team, and that the fact that they are like putting teams together like that, yeah, like a team within the teams, it's just something that you don't really have, like. Yeah. And we've been together at Sea Otter and yeah, there's like kind of a team spirit going on there. And um, I think everyone's profiting from it. Cool. Jack, contrasting fortunes really, but you know as well as anyone that these things swing back around just as quickly. Time for a, a big reset for you and Dan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. You have good years, you have good, bad years. And, you know, it's been tough for sure since Dan broke his elbow. It's, we almost knew the season was done in terms of what he's trying to achieve. Um, and we, we weren't sure when he was going to be back. And the fact he managed to to build back to, to race into Snowshoe and in Montserrat was, was, was great and potentially more than we expected. Um, he's ridden the whole, the whole back end of the season without taking any real risks really. Yeah. Um, because it's just not worth it. He did have major surgery on that arm. So yeah, frustrating for for him and and the team, but it just is what it is, right? It's, uh, yeah, extreme sport. I mean, these things happen. You probably overachieved in twenty twenty one. I mean, you might not say that, but you know, like from what you achieved was was amazing. And then, but when there's only really two of you, yeah. <laughs> if if one gets injured, then all the pressure goes onto you, doesn't it? And it's yeah, exactly. It, it's hard. Yeah, so so it's just one of them, but you know he's uh, he's recovering now and he's he's ready for a, for a hard winter and he'll be back at it next year. So yeah, I was I was chatting with him um, at Revolution at the weekend at the National and he said he was struggling with the elbow in Val Sol and had to call practice early, but he was back at, at it this weekend. I think he was fastest elite in time training on Saturday and third third on Sunday was he? Yeah, so he's. Uh, I said to him when he was go- he wasn't going to do the national. Um, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, youth and naivety, I guess. He was coming back from Valdezol, thinking his uh, season was done, and I said no. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you need to you need to go and do some races at the back end of this year. I, I remember too well back in the day when I was that age, and the worst thing you can do is finish the season on the back foot. Um, and after his disappointment in Valdezol, that's exactly what it would have been. So yeah. I, I kind of left it as just an open thing to him. I said. Do you not think you do you think you could go and do the national and like try and finish on uh, 
finished the season on a bit of a high and I got a text a day later saying, oh yeah, I'm entered for revs, I'm going. Um, so once he'd made that decision, I, I then started firing firing him up a little bit and just just saying, look, you need to go there and just fucking give it everything because it'll you know it'll do the world of good for, for the winter if you've had a good one. So yeah. obviously no fun sitting at revs. I wasn't there because I needed to be at home. And uh, when I got a call off Ruben saying they were all on the podium, him over and down, I was I was I was fucking buzzing. Yeah, I was going to say your juniors did all right, didn't they? Did you have did you have second and third behind Jordan? Second and third, which is basically first and second, isn't it? Because Jordan, yeah. Down, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, and and Ruben who was in second, like shout out to Ru, like. <clears throat> I started coaching him about 18 months ago. And before that, he'd never ridden a mountain bike. He'd just riding dirt jump bikes. Um, and now he's coming second behind Jordan at British National. So, um, yeah, he's worked hard. And to see it pay off with a second place at a national, I, I genuinely never thought we'd see that. Even last winter when we were trying to level him up a little bit, I never thought he'd get a, a national podium. And he's had two of them this year. So, so yeah, we were absolutely pumped to see that. I think, I think Jordan had... Every, well, everybody scratching their heads on Saturday. It was six seconds faster than any than any of the elites. Mm, well, I mean, I don't know why they were scratching their heads. He beat Verger by four seconds in the same conditions, and they're not Verger. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's just I just can't wait for next year watching it all. It's going to be insane. And uh, with Jordan and Jackson coming through, the way the the times they're putting down, it's going to be very interesting. Well, you've got some amazing times ahead. When's um, baby Jack due to arrive? So he's due on the 25th, which is Sunday. I, I had my money on today, but um, she's out with some friends at the moment and I'm sat here sick as a dog. So <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he doesn't decide to come tonight because it'll be a long day in hospital. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping he's going to hang in there for a few days. Let me shake this off and then they'll be ready to go. So we'll cool. see. Well, best of luck to you and Sarah um, with that. Uh, so, so, so Lynn, since we last spoke, we've had round six in Snowshoe, which Amory won, round seven in Mont Saint-Anne, which Finn won. Then we had Worlds in Leger with an, an all-French podium, which we'll chat about with Amory. And then the season finale in Val Sol, which Loris won. It was quite an end to the season. You guys were, were there. Obviously, you weren't in Leger, but you were there for the rest of it, Jack. Favourite moments? Was it Finn winning in Mont Saint-Anne? Was that the best bit, or was it the French in Leger. Seeing, seeing Finn win was, was really cool. That's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah. What about for you, Emmy? Um, Cammy winning, obviously, but... <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's different because it's not like, um, I mean, she when she won a couple of rounds, like I was like, for me, like her winning Lords was like the most surprising one, to be honest. Like I was like, you know. Yeah. But I think my most, like my most special mom, I... I know that Cam can win the overall because she's done it before. She won before, but like Bernard getting second, like it was because I know that she's like Cam gets stuff like quite like fast. Like she gets it going every yeah. year. There's another goal coming, but Bernard has been working for this for like 10 years. And you could see that was like the run he was looking for, for 10 years. And I was there and yeah, I cried. I was really, I was really emotional. I was like, I don't know why I, it was like even more like special, then probably something I've done myself because you can see someone working really hard for something and just generally like so happy, you know? Yeah. So that was like a pretty cool moment, I feel. Cool. Well, strap yourselves in everybody because we'll be back with Amory Peron after these messages. Time to make your bike ride like the pros. 
World Cup level suspension tuning and servicing from the expert team at JTEC Suspension. Built off years of knowledge and experience, the team at JTEC Suspension will service and tune your suspension to make sure it's in tune with your riding style and terrain to shave those vital seconds off your next race run. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk today and see how their expert team can transform your suspension performance. Hi, I'm Ollie Wilkins. And I'm Ben, the Deaconator Deacon. We've just spent the last week at Bride Southern Spain. Having a fantastic time. We have. We've ridden countless amounts of enduro and epic downhill trails. That's right, they have a workshop, swimming pool, pizza oven, fire pit. They've even got a donkey here, dude. You get a free beer if you ride, you know? That's all right, is that right? So we've just dropped into this first trail of the day. Cheeky little uh, off-piece line here. Nice little dusty berm at the bottom to catch you. <laughs> 600 pounds a week includes accommodation, airport transfers, six days of uplifts and guiding. Check out their social media or website to book your holiday at Ride Southern Spain. Ride Southern Spain. We are delighted to welcome back to the show the 2022 World Cup overall champion and world champ silver medalist. It's the dream crusher, Amory Piron. How are you doing, Amory? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, thank you very much to, to welcome me on board again. And, uh, and you, how is it? All good, thank you. All good, yeah. Where in the world are you right now? I'm in Briud at my parents' place. There is a few motor races to come here, so I'm staying here for a bit. Nice. Some more races, but with uh, an engine this time. Oh, cool. You're doing them? Yeah. Enduro or? Enduro, yeah, it's Enduro. So there is a... It's, there is different stuff. There is one enduro. There is one kind of, like kind of motocross with with a gate at the start, but this is in in a field. I don't know yeah. how to say that in in uh in English, but yeah, same as motocross, but without the jumps. Excellent. And then just an something with endurance. So it's like five hour with uh, with two people riding. So that's cool. Cool. So. You came on the pod at the start of this year and, and lit this place up. 2022, what a year. Taruka Mini World Cup, first place. Lords, first place. Fort William, first place. Lords, you, you came unclipped on that final drop in, in seeding and hurt your calf, and you were green at split one but made a mistake in the second sector. So you're not fully fit and you're making mistakes and still winning. Was that big psychologically? First, I was like super just stoked to be able to ride because after my mistakes on the last jump in Krali, I thought my ankle was broken. So it was just like, what the fuck did I do to, to this world? Like <laughs> two shits like that happen again. Yeah. And uh, we just like work hard with the physio. I took um, obviously some painkillers and I don't know, it, it works. So I was just super stoked to to be able to to ride my bike, so I was so happy to just make make it for finals, and then yeah, racing was was sick. Racing is in France is always crazy. The atmosphere is insane, and the crowd is just pushing you. So, whatever you making mistake or not, you you just try to fly above the track. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're on a run like that, first place, first place, first place, are you kind of conscious that if you turn up and do what you do? you're probably going to win or does it never feel like that? 
when you run for running, it's a running when it's a running run, you can you can feel it like it's crazy. Yeah, you you just like yeah, as I told you, you're floating above everything. So yeah, the feeling is insane. You're just like so focused, nothing can interrupt you. So it's crazy. So you can definitely feel it. Yeah, but when you're doing a mistake, you start thinking like oh maybe it's fucked, but you directly came back into your focus mode. Yeah. You forget that and you're still riding well. So I did the same in snowshoe. I had a yeah. really big mistake in the second split. So I was like, fuck, it's it's dead, but keep going. And then you just refocus again and, and you're riding super well. So that's the best feeling in the world for sure. Cool. Nice. So on that subject of these winning runs, um, the Fort William run, I think everybody was just a little bit in awe. Conditions were horrible. You started off and just seemed to get up to speed and then just stayed at that constant speed all the way down. I've watched the the GoPro of the run and it almost looks like a bit of a video game. Obviously, I was at the World Cup and watching the way you're cornering, you're just pulling the bike around as if it's a, as if it's a toy. Um, how do you feel on a run like that? I know you've just talked a little bit about the Lords one, but that Fort William run specifically, did it feel super special? No, no. <laughs> I, I forget that one. But yeah, for sure, Foyam was so hard this year. Like all weekend long, it was just raining, so much wind, and the wind changed directions all the time. You can do right. I, I remember my, I think my first run, first run in the morning before final, there was no wind. And I never ride, ride that fast before, like in four years. That was crazy. The speed was insane. What are that? So good. And then second run, there was wind and it was like so sketchy. And it was even worse for the final with, with some rains added to that. So it was really hard. And all week long, when it's demanding like that, you your body is like... Uh, it's like giving so much, you know. So I coming to final, I was already tired. I had a bit of headache in the start gate. I was like, fuck, it's gonna be long. So it's been more like I think an enduro race, you know, where, where you can kind of manage your your energy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I cannot ride like that every year in Foyam, trying to go fast like all the until the end of the wood. And then after that, just going flat out on the pedals and everything. But this year was so hard. I was cooked in the, <laughs> coming to the wood. I was cooked, dude. Like there was so many holes all the way along. And it was massive. I never saw for him like that. So destroyed. Yeah. And with the rain, the wind is like, everything is hard. So after the wood, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> the second race start now. But I was dead. And yeah. It was crazy. I was talking to myself, come on, come on, to try to, to motivate myself, but it was really, really hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've obviously all seen the photo of your nearly crash in the Top Rock Garden um, out of the left-hander. Um, a lot of the listeners probably have as well. Um, talk us through that moment. Was that all your training put into one save? Was it nearly a weekend ender? How close was it? No, 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 for sure. Uh, something like that. It's not all training like that for sure. It was uh, it was really sketchy. Uh, one of the sketchiest moments of uh, the season, I think. Maybe with uh, I did kind of the same in Lanzarote. Like sketchy moment is like it's like it stops you for a bit. Like okay, calm down. You're racing downhill. It's really sketchy. You can really enjoy yourself. So take a breath. Go have a look on this turn because it's 
Yeah, and you don't want to crush it. And this turn is pretty, really hard because uh, you can see a lot of people like with all the years before. Every year there is someone who is crashing it or just getting sketchy. So you know you're riding on on like little edge every rain for them. So sometimes you sleep a little bit and you can get fucked. So yeah, okay. And that weekend you were full 29. Is that the only weekend this year you raced the, the common south full 29? Yeah, it was a uh, it was the only weekend I rode in 29. That was in my mind since uh, since Lord. I was like, okay, maybe we could we can we could go back on the full 29 for four William. And I was like, I don't know. And then I saw that Reese uh, Wilson was riding with the 29. I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> we can go for the 29. <laughs> but honestly. Uh, I so we we went before uh for them like maybe three or four weeks before, and we did some testing, and I felt like easier to do a full run with the twenty nine yeah. with the twenty seven like with the mullet bike I was like fuck it's hard like I, I'm not able to handle the run, and with the twenty nine I was like it's super easy like okay I can do that, yeah but to push hard like to go really fast on the twenty nine, it was like fuck. The big wheels, you know, is like touching my ass and everything. So it's not so good. So I think next year we'll be back on the mullet. Do you not think the full 29 helped with the big holes that came out on race day? Do you think that helped sit you up above things or not really on the back wheel? It Maybe it, it helps for sure, like on the little things and maybe the holes, but there is a lot of um, transition, like with big steps, you know, and you when you really need like to absorb them, you need to be super low on the bike and those yeah. big wheel is like not so good for that. Yeah, okay. And, and even for pushing in the turns, like Mulet is more dynamic. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll look at corners really nicely. Yeah. So did your mechanics have to do any changes to the bike to fit in that 29-inch wheel? Did it go straight in? Or mm, yeah, for sure. They, they had to adapt a lot of stuff, but I don't really know what they did. <laughs> Leave them to it. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was your third consecutive win in Fort William. You just edged out your teammate Tebow by 0.4. I'd forgotten it was that close, actually. Um, yeah. You pulled nearly all of the time in the final sector. Um, are you stronger than Tebow on the pedals, or was it just yourself talking to yourself, getting yourself over the line? No, I think it's just like in the air that when you want something so bad, and it's like it maybe can make the difference because I was really bad like on the pedals or the, I was no more energy so usually I'm better than him for sure on the sprint <laughs> <laughs> but this time I'm not sure but uh, yeah I did one mistake here and then I think I didn't clear the jump so well I was so bad on the jump so it it happens I don't know but uh, yeah yeah maybe it was not clean as well so we, we don't we don't know I've, I've got to ask as well before George moves on finishing that race beating your teammate by 0.4. You guys are, obviously everyone knows you're good friends. How is that in the camp for the next couple of days afterwards? How, how does that dynamic work between you guys when one of you beats the other by such a small margin for a race win? That didn't change so much. Nothing changed after that. We're still working together. Like we're still changing, uh, talking about lines and everything. Nothing really changed because last year he smoked me all year. Yeah. This year uh, I was in front of him. So, you know, it depends when you how you're feeling. Like if you feel good and you you are good, you're ready, you are fit. Like at the end, 
it's a race run and it's so close. So yeah. just the one who will be better will be better. So but I think that's so good as well to for people, especially young athletes, to hear that you guys know you're stronger together and made a best man win when the time goes. And it's it's really cool to hear that you guys have a working relationship. Even I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when you beat him this season, he seemed so pleased yeah. that you'd won. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was like, <laughs> so many times he was like, ah, oh, you smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was good. Like in Lanzarote, he told me that I just watched a GoPro like two days ago from a Lanzarote. And at the end, you, you can hear like, ah, oh, you smoked them so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. That's cool. And yeah, he was, he was talked, he was, uh, he could uh, in four years, like uh, be mad, like being second is like it can be hard, you know, especially I think behind your teammates. But I think he's younger and he really like appreciating every moment, every good moment. So for sure, in my case, if I finish second behind him, I'm like, fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm older, you know, we have, I'm five years old more than him. So yeah, last time. yeah you have plenty of time to play with. For me, it's not the same. So cool. I don't know if you know, but on the on the start of this pod, we have this previously on the making up the numbers podcast, and we take quotes from the previous episodes. I can tell you that quote that's going to be in there as the as a quote in there now. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I, I saw a thing you shared over the summer, and it was your top fives. I think. And it was in French, and my French isn't that great. But if I understood it correctly, they asked you your favorite downhill tracks of all time. And I remember Old Leger was on there. Yeah. P- Peter Maritzburg was on there, which I was a bit surprised about. But And Cairns might have been on there. And I can't remember the rest, but I, I remember thinking, these aren't the most technical tracks. They're like, if I was a World Cup racer, they're the ones I'd like. And Fort William wasn't on there, despite those those three wins. Do you actually prefer more fun tracks with a higher average speed than the technical stuff? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, when it's like, for example, this year Val Soleil was too much, like too much. It was so destroyed. It was really technical for sure. Like the most technical track ever because just be able to ride on the track without any problems was, uh, <laughs> was already a mission. So that was too much. I like technical stuff, but it needs to be a balance. It's, it's the same for everything in life. I think if there is too much things, it's like not good. So 
I really like the speed. Like for for example, like the old legit track was insane, and yeah. it's good to have I think different kind of track because mm. the old legit was you know a track. Now the new legit is like a bit of Valdisol and and maybe bit we we can see this track everywhere. But the old legit was the old legit only flat out in the grass turns. I was sick. Yeah, which was my favorite as well. That was crazy, dude. Like only like sweep it out stroke and then flat out at 100 meter later, we are at four, uh, 80K. So that was sick. And I put on the list, uh, Peter Murray's book because it's like same is pretty different to the other track. Like I, I was, when I was there, I was on a nerd specialized bike, 26 inch wheel. So not the bike you want to ride there, you know? Yeah. But now with the bike we have, the technology and everything, it could be, I would like so much to get back there, like just to see the difference. And, and now we are ready. We are training so hard. So I like when there is different tracks to, to, to do a good series. You know, it's a good mix. Yeah. We have uh, super technical tracks and a super physical tracks and a super fast track. Yeah. So I think it's good to have a bit of everything. How do you feel about hardline? Is that, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Is it something? I was like, Oh fuck! Maybe it could be sick to go there. Like I don't know. Maybe <laughs> in the future. But when I saw the videos of the jump this year, okay, never, never. Yeah, dude, that that was ridiculous. Bernard, like the jump was, I don't know, 20, 25 meter long, and he just like landed six meter. <laughs> so dude, 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 no way, no way, I do that. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, I think he just broke his finger as well, so he got lucky. If I, only the finger with that crash is yeah. not that bad, huh? Yeah. So, um, coming back to the World Cup, Leo Gang, um, you just came off with the win for William, so you try to keep the ball rolling. Uh, you're fastest in time training as well, but then there's like horrible weather, and the track was really, really hard to ride. Um, so you had a lot of crashes in practice, if I remember correctly. Mm. And so there's a lot of pressure, and at the end you come away with fourth place. Um, were you happy with that? Um, I definitely was not happy, but happy in the same time because I had a big crash in before my quali, and uh, like like I was I had a painful leg and I hit a little bit my head, but nothing, you know. But just when you not feeling so good on quali was so bad, I crashed one time, went offline. So yeah, coming with a fourth place after after a weekend like that, and then before final, I tried a line, an eye line, uh, yeah, an eye line, mm-hmm. super sketchy of Cumber, crashed. I tried again, crashed. I'm like, fuck. When you crash two times in the same spot, it's like not good. <laughs> so I just try like to to play it smart and don't like fucked up for the race and. It was not a crazy run for sure. It was not a winning run. So fourth, it, it was good. But you always want more. So it's like, mm, hard to smile. But uh, overall, I'm happy about the weekend because uh, when I look at some other weekends of the, uh, at the end of the season, I played not smart and it didn't work. So Logan was good. Yeah. Yeah, so um, after Logan, there was a Lanza Hyde. Um, it was a, a bit of a different Lenzer Hard this year, so I get there's like a little puzzling to do with the new with the new section. But it was like a very good weekend for you, P1 quali and race. So 
yeah, how was that that lenser hider for you this year? Lenser was sick. Like the new new top section was was good. It's good to have fresh stuff, and the old track was a bit like you know turn turn turn. So now there was a good of cumber coming in a new kind of sketchy little bit of cumber, then a bit flat after the ride. But it was something new, and it, it's good for us to have uh, new new six new sections on the track because yeah. otherwise it's always the same. And first run we're already riding fast, so it was cool to have something new. And I don't know, I felt I felt good on track. I remember I felt so good with my bike, my bike setup. I was really happy about it. So then I just like had fun on my bike did the walk on the lines and everything and yeah it was really sick doing one one in the weekend is so yeah. good again it's funny because miriam always did it does really good in lens um and she's always like fastest there and is it the same for you like you like even though i don't know if miriam likes the track but she's always fast there so is it this kind of the same for you mm-hmm. honestly i have fun on the track huh? i really like this track better each year is better, I think, because yeah. the I remember the old old rock garden at the top before. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. oh, guys, don't like, like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. I hate that. Yeah. So no, like the, the track is a bit safer. There is a good steep section. It's a mix. It's a good mix. There is few backpack stuff and then few natural stuff. So it's pretty good. I had fun there. Yeah. So coming into Andorra, so in Andorra we had already a big lead. In the overall, like 274 points. Um, so you talked about playing it smart just before. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we were like, oh yeah, for sure. He's he's mm. not gonna like try to maybe do a gap or something and land straight into a three, but I guess you did. Yeah, it kind of ended up differently. <laughs> so oh, sure. I've, I've heard you try to like you try to gap into that for us. Is it true? Uh or are you just going too fast? I went going too fast and you, you needed to to land and then to pop a little bit because there was like an off-camber rock, just like a little one. Huh? But if you put your front wheel on it with a bit of weight, you slip your front wheel. Mm-hmm. And I land from the previous rocks mm-hmm. too far, so I didn't have the time to pop up for the rock. So put my front wheel on it. So lost a little bit traction, went into the soft dust, you know, yeah. not in the line, just mm-hmm. maybe 15 centimeter offline, but it was soft. So my front wheel go deep in it and went over the bar. So this crash was really nearly for sure. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Somehow I was able to ride. Honestly, like, uh, I don't know how it works because uh, after my race run, I was just like, feeling so bad like i had um i don't know how to say uh yeah feeling sick. vomit you know sick, like, yeah like vomiting and dizzy I, yeah i, I didn't vomiting but uh yeah i felt like the needed too mm-hmm. and i was just the noises starting to to make me bad and all the lights and everything and the following days was crazy I, I called the doctor and i told him like i cannot like uh stay in in a place where there is too much noise, even in the restaurant was too much for me. The light, I was in the restaurant with uh, some sunglasses. So it was like, fuck, this is weird. And in the streets with the cars, you know, that was just too much for me. So 
I called the doctor and he told me, okay, that's, you did a concussion. So maybe not big because there was not big symptoms, mm -hmm. but uh, it was enough to, to be serious. So he told me like, you go in a calm place. You don't drive your car. You stay, yeah, just in a calm place with no noise. And yeah, you do nothing, no sports, nothing. So, and every day we did some checks. Uh, I had the list. I had to fill up some some stuff, some documents to see the evolutions. And the evolutions was not so crazy. And uh, but I I tried uh, to come to US to see how, how I could feel there. So then we had the physio there, and we worked so hard with on on the neck because my neck was really stiff, and finally. It was uh, kind of the solution of the problem because my head was a bit, I had pressure in my head, you know, and just walking on the neck, like kind of uh, yeah. make some free, uh, free space in my head. And, and I felt just good to ride my bike just on practice day. Even before that on, on track work, I remember I asked uh, Gaito and Arthur if they had some some airports, like, cause there was too much people on track work and the noise was like, fuck, this is too much. So I think, I don't know when the stars want to line up, they line up and just for practice, I felt better and better for quality and better for final. And then I was good. So that, that weekend in Andorra, it really rem reminded me of Mont Saint Anne in 2018. You had that big crash in the, in the rock garden there and you, you got up and you raced and you did the same in Andorra. And I, I don't know, it kind of sends a message out, doesn't it? To everyone that if you want this title, you're going to have to want it more than me. No, for sure. Was sure it harder? To... Was hard and this year harder than, than 2018 to get up and race? Mm, different. I think kind of the same. Cause I remember in 2018 after that, I was just like, you know, your body yeah. is just like, and it was the same here because, uh, your body is, is hiding the pain, is hiding a lot of stuff because he, he, he knows that you have a lot of, uh, a lot, lot to play. So, um, I think he can understand that and he hides some stuff, but when you finish the race, dude, <laughs> so it's the second time and yeah, it was kind of the same. So. Yeah, your body and your mind is, are really strong, I think, and and they can hide some serious stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah, Andorra, the hardest 13th place you've ever got? Yeah, I gave it all. Huh? I gave yeah. it all. Uh, I was running well, but not not fast. So, yeah, and it was so loose, a lot of dust, running work. So it was hard, but yeah. Made it to 13 was uh, the best I could, uh, could have done. I love how you said 13th place wasn't fast. <laughs> it was, I don't know, I was like maybe five seconds behind or six. I don't know. That was. Jack's, for the, for the listeners, Jack sat here shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What can I say? He's the best in the world. I'll let him have it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you. When you do your top swing quality, you don't want to end up 13th, you know? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I think the other thing with that Andorra track that people maybe weren't as aware of as we were when we were actually on it was it was almost the same kind of speed as Mont Saint Anne. But Mont Saint Anne, you've got a little bit of room for where your wheels are. 
Yeah. And I'm going most of the way down that track, apart from the very top section. Shit, it was like that wide. <laughs> where you crashed, where you landed, and then it yeah, 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 that crashed. was skinny. We're on a ridge about that wide, and if you missed it, then you were going down. And no, no, that was sketchy. It was like that a lot of the way. And there's been quite a bit of controversy about the track. There were some sections that quite a lot of riders weren't happy with. Had you ridden it beforehand? Did you have any thoughts on it before we got there? No, 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 no. I was uh, was in on the road, but I didn't uh, race the, the Catalan Cup. Yeah. I was in holiday, I think. And um, But there is a lot of people who ride it. Angel, uh, Thomas Estac, uh, Hugo Frixalon, Loris as well. And they all told uh, they need to change change some stuff, blah, 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 blah. Loic came, he didn't race, but to do a track work with, uh, I don't know if it was with the shapers or I think it was, yeah, with the locals who, who shaped the track. Or maybe with Georgia, I don't, I don't remember. And he told a lot of stuff to change, but no change at all. It was the same track as the Catalan Cup. Crazy. So they were like, fuck, we, we tried to help you to we we give you some feedback and nothing happened so and with the bridges at the end that was uh, so sketchy dude how many crashes on the last bridge yeah it nearly got me and quali yeah the pad had come off the side and yeah 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 hit my foot on it and fuck so bad so it's like what the fuck yeah okay well hopefully they'll improve on that after that experience so you touched on snowshoe a little bit before. You were beaten up uh, from the crash in Andorra. I, I didn't know about your head until what you just told us. So it's another thing. But then you were P1 in quali, P1 in the race. Um, obviously, it wasn't quite as simple as it sounds there. You did make a mistake in your race run. Um, were you surprised to win that one? Did the run feel like enough? The run was pretty strong, just a part of this big mistake and one or two further. But uh this year snowshoe was really sketchy with the conditions and like I think everybody did mistakes. So it was, I think maybe normal to, if you try to attack on this track, it was normal to do some mistakes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, overall the, the run was strong. Uh, yeah, with, with a mistake like that, you, I was feeling like, okay, it's over. You, you'll be top 10, but so that's why you see people do mistakes because if every everyone did a clean run without mistakes, it was for sure a P10 run. So it was a no really strong run. And we if we did a good quality, we start last and the track was the best of the all weekend. So mm. it was pretty important to do a good quality this time. Yeah. So yeah. So, so earlier in the year, right well, pre-season, I wrote a, a preview for for single track about the upcoming season. And one of the questions I posed was, are we in a period of, of Loic Bruni domination? Because at that time, he'd won four world championships and two overalls in, in seven years, which is a big percentage of, of, of what's available to win. And it got shared on Instagram and, and Loic responded and said, is it possible for anyone to dominate nowadays? Fast forward to July and you've won four of the six World Cups that we've had. <laughs> There's a stat on Red Bull of you and Aaron Gwynn, who was the last man to dominate. And the stat was that in the first, in the 25 races after your first win, you'd both got 10 World Cup wins and a 40% win percentage. How did it, does it feel to be? You know, that's a fair way down the track, 25 races, to be on a par with, with what Aaron was, what Aaron did. 
Uh, I don't know. That's pretty sick. I didn't use that. <laughs> Did you not know that? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you that. I've got the graphic on my phone because for some yeah, reason I, I snapped it when I was what when it came up and I was like, yeah, that that's a cool start. Yeah. So your level with Gwyn after twenty five races. So he dominated. Does it feel like you're dominating? No. <laughs> no, no, he, Aaron really dominated. I remember he won races with eight seconds and everything. So that's dominating. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, there, there, there is, when you dominate, you, I don't know. I don't feel like dominate. Maybe the first half of the year, kind of, but then like it shows that we were human and we do mistakes and we can be tired and everything. So. Yeah, so you you um the fourth rider to win four races in the season. Um coming to Montanan, um I think maybe you said you're a little bit nervous before qualifying. Did you start to feel a bit of pressure um there at Montanan? Yeah, I don't know why, but uh, I had a lot of pressure. Like I, I didn't I was not relaxed and everything, and after my quality I was like I was third, but I don't know. I think I I don't know what was in my mind. I maybe wanna, uh, for sure, I wanna win. But I was so yeah, I remember because I was not happy and stressed because I was like uh, maybe four or five seconds uh, behind the fin. And I was like, fuck, there is a lot of work to do. So I was really stressed about that. Stressed about that. But that that's where I was not smart, and I just should have maybe played safe and a podium could be great and it was enough to to win the overall and everything but i was like fuck no uh, i want to try i want to win i can do it and everything <laughs> so uh, that's what i tried and and it was not bad but just to see the mistakes and the crash happened so but yeah it was a tough weekend i was really stressed uh, the, it's, that's really 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 interesting insight because if of all the things for you to be stressed about, that actual race wouldn't have been the thing that I thought you would be stressed about. I thought you might be stressed with the position in the overall pressure to try, you know, I'm so far ahead, I need to take the overall now, or pressure that, you know, the chance to win five World Cups in a season and go up another level. But I didn't actually think the pressure of winning, of, of chasing that race would be the thing that would be getting to you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but it's crazy because... Like I felt so good on the bike in, in snowshoe. Like honestly, my bike was working so well and everything. And coming to Moonsantan, I was not able to set up my bike properly and I was just struggling. So, you know, I start like I was not happy because uh, when your setup is not good, you don't have fun on your bike. You just like getting hit by every rock, by every route and everything. So it was like, yeah, I was not happy. So when you're not happy, uh, you, start feeling a bit like not positive mm -hmm. and uh yeah i was i don't know after quality i was just like fuck i felt so bad <laughs> <laughs> but i it, it was no reasons i don't know why just i was in a in a mood where i don't know i just i don't know so after what happened to tibo the year before um did your team like try to like give you some advice and say oh maybe do something different like don't try to like attack too hard and like getting injured like Tibor or yeah no uh, honestly <laughs> we think we we have a little problem with that and uh, <laughs> we... <laughs> well, seriously yeah. 
because <laughs> they want the, the, the same thing as me and but we we will change that in the future for sure because uh, he was not great like he, I could uh, I could have injured myself and yeah sometimes you you need to accept you you cannot win every race for sure and and when you don't feel it 100% it's not you don't need to go just like take it easy and you'll do top 5 or top 10 i don't know but uh, yeah we we definitely need to improve on that point i think if you figure that out there's going to be a lot really hard for the others to get the overall <laughs> <laughs> i don't know because in the, in the same time of that if you if you are not trying to win every races in my case this winter i was like okay i want uh, to train to, to try to win every races and if you're not thinking like that maybe you're not gonna win you lose maybe. the killer so, instinct. yeah it's the it's, the, it's the killer instinct you have which has cost tibor last year and then maybe yeah. monsterdam but that same instinct will help you win all the races you have won so yeah it's hard it's always we talk about balance before and it's hard to find the right balance with that. Mm. So coming into Leger, obviously, biggest, probably biggest race of the year for every Frenchman. Uh, so you fight second and you finish second. Um, it's a silver medal, but maybe, I guess, maybe you want more than that. Um, after a bit of time now that's passed, how do you feel about that race? Uh, it's still hard like, to, to have a judgment on it. Because uh, obviously I really want to win that one, but uh, my run was not not good enough. So what can I say? <laughs> it was uh, it, it was I felt it was not a winning run. Okay. For this time, I didn't take some any risks. You know, I was just riding. I was riding good. I was riding well, but nothing crazy or weekend long. So I think you nowadays you need to to ride fast and when you ride super fast you need you take obviously some risks and uh i don't know it was just too too slow for the win so i cannot complain second in the world was pretty sick and but yeah it was hard because i i really want to have the win but i think the hardest is that loic one that's <laughs> fifth title lot. but to be honest if it was Loris or whoever it's like it was uh, okay. I'm second. That's okay. But uh, it's Loic. It's fifth title. It's like fuck no. <laughs> that's not possible. He had enough. That's too Someone much. No, we can talk about domination. He fucking dominate. Yeah. He won every not every single world championship, but like a lot. One out of two is winning. More yeah. than that. More than that. Yeah, it's six in eight years. I think is it six in eight years? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we stopped talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell us a bit about the pressure that week, like being a Frenchman in that race. Like, um, was it like more than than any other races you had before? Um, I don't know. I felt like this time, like people waited for me mm-hmm. more than than Lourdes, yeah. for example, or Old Leger or whatever. And it was so so hard because all week all week long. Since the first day on World Champs Week is so long, since the first day there was a lot of people in the in the paddock on track and they all are cheering for you. They give you awards. They want to uh, sign a signature photo or whatever. 
So it's it's really cool like to have uh, a lot of people like that at the races uh, and you try to give them back the, all the love they give you. So because it's so mm-hmm. cool to have people like that, the fans they loving the sport. So it's like it's um if these people wasn't there, we we couldn't we couldn't have uh, money and we couldn't race in the world. So hopefully we have those people who, who love the sport, who love uh, who love us and whatever. So yeah, we try to spend the the maximum of time we can with them to to share photo, to share some words or whatever. But at the end of the week, it's so hard. Like you are done. Like a normal day. On the World Cup is already hard. Is already hard. But when you spend like hours with people to to sign and do photo, it's even more fatigue, you know. Yeah. But it was it was cool. It's yeah. It's the only race we feel that, so mm. it's cool to feel that. And uh, of course, after after the race finished, I guess maybe it was disappointing for you to be second. But with all the people that came down and like that whole like crazy atmosphere. Um, yeah, I think it's probably never seen this no. never seen before. So it probably like felt more like a party and yeah, for sure. Know. I was like, so I was feeling so bad. I was, you know, in the deepest hole of the world. And, uh, then I saw the people and it was crazy to leave. Just the police bring us to the that podium. That was so and, cool. Yeah. And. <laughs> And yeah, people were were so happy just for for Loic, of course, but for for friends, for for Daniel. it was uh, it was history, I think. So just people was so stoked, and and I was stoked to be to be part of that with Loic and Maurice. I was dream, I dreamed when I was a kid. I dreamed about about that. You know, I was uh, looking them with stars in the eyes, and and that day I was on the podium with them. On the world championship podium, so it was okay. <laughs> it's not uh, you didn't want, but uh, that sick dude enjoy and the um, French anthem was sick. Dude, Leger was like people on the on the house, people on the on the cars. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. So yeah, it was it was pretty sick to live. Before before Jack jumps back in, I just want to ask you. You said about that run it was a bit too safe it wasn't a world champs winning run at what point did you realize did you do you know when you're halfway down this isn't gonna do it or is it when you cross the line and you think oh it's not it's not the time i wanted or no i was i didn't feel like uh flying i was fast but not flying and then like the the last steep section in the old blackwood I was like slow. And then on the last jumps, I case all the jumps. So I lost more time again, but uh, I was already 1.5 back. So, so yeah, it was, it was hard just to, it's world champs. If you case all the finished jumps, <laughs> don't gonna win, dude. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I was like, but I was so mad about the like, how could I case all the jumps? This, the morning I was like eating them so well and in for final case all the jumps. I don't know. Do you think you just but, maybe got uh, a bit tight? Honestly, I, do, I don't know. I just like give some pedal strokes before and I never did that. And I don't know. But apparently they they had some some wind 
A little bit. A lot of people cast him. Yeah, not all the people. <laughs> a lot, bro. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, do yeah. Not all. I was, I was commentating but, on TV, and then I was like, for most of the riders, you could see a little bit of the run and then the finish. Yeah. Literally, for like top forty, there's like three, three quarter of the riders cased all the jumps. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So. A little embarrassing. Yeah. A bit embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to. Uh, Something a little bit happier. Um, pull you out of this hole again. <laughs> so let's set the scene for Valdesol. You're on the way there. Finn would need at least 60, what, 61 riders to make it through to finals. And then you would need to finish 61st or worse, scoring no points. And he would need to win the race for him to win the overall and you to come second. It's unlikely, but after what we saw in 2019, anything can happen. Then Finn announces that he's not going to race and you've won the overall. How did you feel? Uh, honestly, it was weird. All week, all week long, it was so weird because, uh, as you said, uh, everything can happen. Like we saw in, we saw it in 2019, and I was like, okay, no, I don't want to think about the overall right now. We'll see after the race. I was just like answering this at everybody because everybody was like, oh, you're gonna win, blah 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 blah. blah. I was like, fuck, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> and in the morning, in the quality morning, uh, I stopped on track and I saw Kevin. And uh, I saw Kevin, you know, uh, Finn Mechanics. Yep. And I was like, I, I didn't knew he, he, didn't, he, he was not riding. So I was like, wow, wow what are you doing here? You Finn is not riding or what? And he told me, no, he's not feeling good, blah, blah, blah. So he, he will not riding. And I was like, oh. that was the first information you got to find out you'd won the overall. Yeah, but it was it was hard and anti I preferred if he could ride, you know, it's, it was not good. Yeah, okay. But and yeah, I, I really wanna end up the, f- the season on a strong note. Yeah. Especially after Moon Santan where I crashed. Then was I I was really happy so with the podium blah 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 everything but I wanna win I wanna win so yeah Valisole was a big goal and yeah so there was I don't know it was so weird I was a bit struggling with the tracks I was really hard we had a lot of mechanical all weekend so it was kind of hard and yeah then the rain came for a bit for the final and had a crash. Don't play it smart again this time. And uh, yeah, it was so weird. I, uh, when I crossed the finish line, I was like, Yeah, I could see it. That's bad. And, and it, so there was a lot of people to come down. And yeah, the atmosphere at the bottom was was bad. You know, I wonder everyone, but that was so bad. <laughs> Nobody was like, Yeah, that's it. So was, everybody was like, Okay. That's not sick, buddy. <laughs> so it was well, but then after that, uh, we start to realize that we won and everything. So that was that was good. Yeah. Okay. Just to rewind you a little bit there, um, back to after you'd seen Finn's mechanic and you you'd realize you'd be the overall. Um, you're on a brutal track. Lots of people are getting hurt. You're having some mechanicals in practice. I believe some punctures, um, some of the things. Yeah. How 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 hard was it to focus? Did did you start focusing on trying to win five overall five races in, in a season? What did you have a strategy? Yeah, but my strategy this year was like if if I feel I can win, I will go for it. And I I keep the same for Valdisol. 
And but it was just hard, as you say, like to stay focused because after Leger, we was super demanding, like physically with all the emotions, all the people, and all the World Champs week. Just that, uh, I was tired, and then yeah. so it was crazy, like the all the love we had and everything, like the atmosphere was insane at World Champs, and then we come back to World Cup, so it was less insane. Yeah. Sure. So it was like just fuck. We are tired, you know. And this is the most brutal track ever. We are riding this week. So it was really hard. Just yeah, I was focused, but not so focused. Like first yeah. run, first practice run, I forgot my Googles. So I was like at the top. <laughs> okay. Hey mates, <laughs> can you bring me my Googles, please? So and yeah, I did some stupid stuff like that. Then for quali, two practice run, two flat, quali, one flat, <laughs> like two, three oh. runs, three flat, like five. You know, sometimes uh, you can, you can believe something, like the, the life is telling you something, dude, like take it easy. Just with yeah. the Google, I was like, okay, 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 stay easy. Yeah. Go down and yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it's hard like to, to me to to not give 100% because I that's the thing I love the most like just to give all you have mm. but uh, sometimes it's hard like just to to give 100% sometimes you cannot give them so but it's hard to me to accept that so I need to to learn uh, and work on that yeah okay moving on just quickly to French champs it looked like you're having fun in practice with the lads um and then when it got serious, you guys were having some crashes. Um, was that just more of a result of the the mental and physical tiredness that you guys had by this stage of the season? Would you say? Yeah, for sure. Like so, it was another step uh, step back because World Champs, then World Cup, then French Champs. So it was not exciting, you know. <laughs> like we, yeah. Loic won World Championship. I won the overall. Loris won two World Cup this year. We just you know, that was enough. We want two holidays. <laughs> we are done. Yeah. So it was like, fuck, we, we need to go. So we go. And uh, honestly, the track was good. So we just had a lot of fun with, uh, with, with our friends, you know, on the World Cup. We, we don't have the time to share, to share some laps with, uh, with the boys. So to be able to ride, uh, just to ride with our friends was, was cool. But in the same time, you are world uh, at French championships and you 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 want to ride well and I don't know it was where to to stay focused yeah and Lewis broke his fingers like in yeah he had two three three fractures three three broken bones in the end so it's like fuck yeah crazy Louis crashing quality in the rock garden I crash in the rock garden it was kind of sketchy and then for finals everything went well but uh, yeah, it was really hard to stay focused uh, all the weekend. Okay. We've just had a, our last national of the year here this weekend. And I was right. I did a lap with Will Longdon, the Madison Saracen team manager. Yeah. And we were chatting about it. And he said, those boys are just shot. They are just shot. I can tell when they're crashing in that rock garden like that, both of them, they're just exhausted. They need a rest. Yeah, oh, yeah really. <laughs> 
Okay, my, well, my last question for you then. So how, how do you feel now? You, you won the overall, but like you described, it was maybe a little bit of an anti-climax in by the Val Yeah. What's the feeling now going into the off-season? Dude, it's weird. It's weird because, uh, yeah, then we have our national and the vibe was not crazy co- compared to, to world champs where the vibe was insane. Then Val Soleil, less insane. And then French champs. It was good vibes, honestly, but compared to, to worlds, there was nothing. So he was racing, racing, racing with less good vibes, less good vibes, less good vibes. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's hard. And just the, the fact to think everything is over, like we just spent like few months crazy, just living crazy moments, high and low, but like every high are super high and every low are super low, but you just feel a lot of stuff. Yeah. And now it's like after French jumps. So after the race, I stopped uh, to watch uh, the sunset. I was like, fuck, that's over, dude. Like we, we go back into the winter, winter mood and all the, those, those feelings will disappear again. And yeah, it's a bit weird, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really put uh, with what I did this year. That was a crazy season, fourth for win. Like just, it's insane. Yeah, uh, medal at World Champ with insane uh, history uh, podium. So it was a crazy year. And yeah, but dude, that's over. And now we start again for next year. That's, that's crazy. It's like listening to you talk there reminds me of Josh Bryceland after 2014 when he just took, took everything more or less. Like obviously he didn't win worlds, but he, he basically yeah. almost did. And then at the end of the season, looked back on it and that flat feeling of, oh, it's, it's over. But I yeah. think it's just, as an athlete, it's just so important that you look back on all the fucking good things you did in the season and don't, yeah, no, no. At the last three weeks may not have gone perfect. Like look back at Fort William and Lords and Lenzai. Yeah, yeah no, sure. and, and then fire yourself up to go again. Cause we want to see a big battle next year. You got Gwynnie coming back. You got the two fast kids coming in, all you Frenchies, Laurie. So there's a lot of people. Insane. It's crazy. Insane. Every year, I don't know, but it, it looks like it's the level is like yeah. even higher. So Tebow's had a, a difficult second season and we need to get him back on here to, to talk about it. I think he's on holiday at the minute. Um, Miriam's had a rough ride with that big slam in Lords, which set her back a bit. And maybe expectations were a bit high for, for Hugo. He didn't quite have the impact in juniors that I thought he might. How's the mood in the camp? Are they all hungry to go again? No, we all are in holidays and we don't right. really, we don't really already planned any camp. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, kind of first camp was in, in, in Les Ors for the French uh, championship. We already did uh, some testing to prepare, to prepare the next ones for the next team camps. And, uh, yeah, but for sure we, no, we, we, we are really tired and we need to recover from this season. Yeah. And then after that, we, we, we will all, uh, we all be happy uh, to be back uh, training and testing. And are you going to be on the V5 next year? It's unusual for you guys to stand still. Is it still the no, same? No, I think, yeah, we're still on the V5. Huh? There's yeah. nothing to, to come. And let, so, so what's the plan for the next few weeks? The, the World Cup doesn't start till June. So do you get an extended break? 
uh, yeah, it's, it will be different for sure. We will do certainly some different stuff. For me, like I feel the need to, to ride more in the dust. So uh, I will try to go in, in Queenstown, I think. Cool. And so, yeah, we have the time this year to, to do some stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. For me, I did, I break, but I don't really break because uh, I do some motor races and you know the Rock d'Azur? Yeah, yeah. So I will do the Rock d'Azur, the cross-country race. No way! <laughs> Five, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, I uh, Flo Le Tonder, Florian Le Tonder, I don't yeah. know if you know. He told me, oh, yeah, are you keen? We go to do the, the Rock d'Azur. And with Rafael Iniguez, I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> we go. It's- is this the Five. guy who got, got you doing cyclocross last off-season? Yeah, the same? yeah, last <laughs> off-season was cyclocross, but not anymore because it's too much. But, pff, dude, uh, it will be too much for sure. Like, Flo, Flo one stage. Idea. Huh? Flo is the man with the worst ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but he's riding uh, road bikes every day and I'm just doing moto. <laughs> so You're going to smoke him. Yeah, he will smoke me for sure. Ah. <laughs> but it will be funny. It will be funny. And Raphael broke his end in oh, yeah. in national, so he will be here for the mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I don't know. But it will be hard for sure. So yeah, the off season is uh, I started, but not really started. After yeah. that, I will take some real holidays. Cool. Well, well, look, best of luck with it. And thanks for making the time to come on the pod. Um, really, really appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Um, we'll be back with Magnus Manson after these messages. Me again. It's Sasha at Revolution Bike Park. It's that time again. We're going to go and have a chat to a few people about what they think is the best thing about Revolution Bike Park. Collins Corners. <laughs> no, everything. <laughs> everything. Just the last stop. Collins, the new track. Uh, red. Oh, the tracks. It's the downhill, the techie stuff for me, definitely. Love it. Um, yeah, it's just different than any other one, I think. Just, like, I go to quite a few bike parts uh, quite often. I mean, but for me, Revs is definitely my favourite. The tracks here, like, um, yeah, it's. I don't think there's any much like it. There's a few local places, like off piece stuff, but for downhill stuff, I mean, even. Dovey's got really good tracks, um, awesome bike park, but they don't have the same tight in the trees and stuff like that, and I think that's the stuff I love most, really, yeah. Choose single track, choose print, choose digital, choose an independent mountain bike magazine, choose mountain bike culture, choose adventure and mishap, choose great stories and glorious photography, choose ad-free access to our website, choose time out with a mug of tea, choose an annual subscription, choose a monthly subscription, choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products, choose bobble hats, choose hip flasks, choose gift subscriptions for your friends, choose single track salvation for your arse, choose a username, choose a community, choose to support independent publishing, choose your future and our future, choose single track. If you're enjoying the Making Up the Numbers podcast, hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. In 2018, 
At 20 years of age, Magnus Manson became the Canadian national champion and looked set for a fantastic pro career. In 2020, he had a huge crash, snapping his femur and pelvis, his first serious injury. And just as he was getting back up to speed in 2021, he was diagnosed with white blood cell cancer, aka Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's been a year-long battle, but he recently announced that the cancer was in remission and he's back riding bikes. Well, in truth, I don't think he ever really stopped. But welcome to the show, Magnus. How are you doing? Yeah. No, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. So let's go back a bit. I, I went and looked at your results on Roots and Rain, and you're one of those riders who it was clear you were going to be good from the start. I think you won 12 of your first 16 races or something like that, and these are all mainly BC Cups. Did did it come easy to you, downhill racing? Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of, I went to Crankworks with my friend when I, like, first started biking. I always rode dirt jumpers and stuff, because that's kind of, that's what we had around. And then, yeah, I loved downhill, and I was like, I want to do this. I I used to play hockey, and I just, immediately, I was like, Dad, I don't want to play hockey anymore. I just want to ride bikes. Like, this is way more fun. And, yeah, I just got into it. And, yeah, at first, it was, I think the racing scene isn't what it was back then. Like, obviously, like, the kids nowadays are insane from Canada, and, like, was just at a BC Cup and it's it's a whole other level. But yeah, it was cool to like start racing and I started winning. So it was kind of, it got that bug right away. Like, this is what I want to do. And those first few years were, were the most fun too. Cause like, yeah, just going fast. And I was kind of, I quickly realized I'm just going to try to race up a category. Like if I'm U15, yeah. I'll try to race U17 and try to like kind of have my sights set above. That way I was always pushing beyond, beyond just the, the, the group yeah. I was riding with. And that, I think that kept me motivated and kept me always pushing for more. So yeah, it was. That's the way you've got fun. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think as t- the team managers, that's what they usually look for. The guys who are setting times that would match the category above, you know, when people are coming yeah. through. How did your dad take it? You giving up? Oh, I know. He loved it. Like, oh, funny enough, like both my parents, they raced uh, when they were in their prime kind of thing. They raced uh, track, like uh, on the velodrome. So yeah. they're both on the national team for like Canada and Italy. So. They're, they're cyclists at heart, I think. They never pushed me to race, but they were kind of, they were like, oh, that's so cool. You're riding too now. So yeah, they, they love bikes. They're, they're just the whole time. It's never been, you have to do this or you have to do that. They're not kind of motocross parents. They're kind of just yeah. like, yeah, if you want to go racing, as long as you're getting good grades and you're, you're working a part-time job kind of thing and helping out, like, yeah, we'll get you there and make it happen. So cool. Yeah. Super supportive. So Crankworks 2013, you were in the 13 to 15 category for the Garbanzo, and you, you won that race ahead of Finn and Jackson Frew and Henry Fitzgerald. Tell us a bit about the Garbanzo, because you've won it a good few times. Is it 14, oh, yeah. <laughs> is it 14 minutes of pure pain? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I think it was funny. I'd always do that race, and I just remember that every race after that race, it was at the end of the year, but, like, every race was like, oh, this is just, like, a sprint now, because, like, you'd spend so much time <laughs> practicing that long track and, like... <laughs> I hate it, but I was like, I, cause yeah, I think back then there was like the Prince of Crankworks or whatever, where if you could win all the, not the King, but like the, the kids version, yeah. where if you won all the races of the down, uh, Garbanzo, RDH and Canadian Open, you got, oh no, they got a fork or something. Yeah. I was like, I want to, I want to do that. So I was like, I, I spent a lot of time trying to like figure that track out. Cause yeah, 14 minutes of trail is, is pretty long, but now yeah. that's an enduro. So I, yeah. I can satisfy to that because I've done it as well. Yeah, an adult. I wasn't a kid, and it was already long enough. <laughs> yeah, it's so long. I, I hated it. I'd like find times where I could just like rest my arms and like I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't it, there's a there. few like kind of like um, big, big like fire roads and stuff. So oh, it's yeah. kind of like no. can kind of rest in between, but you know what's kind of it's also a kind of the beginning. It's like that big uphill as well. Yeah, you got yeah. It's there's way more pedaling than I think 
Yeah. Then you realize, but that's enduro now, which is like, it's funny. Back then, that wasn't even a, yeah. So as George mentioned, you won a good number of races when you started out. um, And Finn Isles was a big rival. You actually won 15 times um, when you guys first raced, which was, which is quite a start really to beat Finn in the first 15 meetings. I didn't know that one. Um, And it wasn't until a Garbanzo in 2014 that he took a win over you. I think you guys uh, have always been good friends. Is that right? Have you always been good friends? Yeah, I think that first year, I remember I'd, I kind of like, I was a bit uh, like, I was like, I want to, I don't know who this kid is. I just want to beat him. He was pretty quick his first year too. Um, Cause I think we started racing this. I'm a year older, but we started racing on the same year. Um, so yeah, he was always competition. But then after that first year, I was just like, Hey, let's hang out. Like we're both doing this. We're having so much fun. So, and then since then, yeah, like we've lived together. We, yeah. Kind of traveled together and done all the same. And yeah, I think like having, and it's cool. Cause as we grew up, like my friends from school and like who didn't go race, like I didn't have a community of people necessarily that were doing exactly what I was doing. Cause mountain biking yeah. wasn't as popular as it is now. And, but it was cool to have Finn the entire way along. Cause now we're, we're both kids like 16, 17 traveling the world, but it's kind of, it's hard to go back to school sometimes. And yeah, like, it's not the same. Whereas now I have this buddy who's I get to fly on planes with, and it's not so like it's not just me and myself. Because yeah, coming from Canada to go to race, go in Europe, it's it's like a it's a bigger trip kind of thing. So I think yeah, it was really cool to always have him around and like yeah, still want to beat him. <laughs> he's, he's number he's my rival, but in the best of ways. And I think yeah, we're we're still yeah super close. Nice. So moving on a little bit, you got picked up by Norco for your first junior season in 2015 and then switched to Da Vinci for the second junior season. Tell us a bit about your junior career because the World Cup seemed like you know quite a big step for the first season and then you were getting top five results by the end and picked up a silver medal at 2016 Worlds in, in Val de Sol again behind, and behind Finn. Talk about those yeah. early, early years. No, it was like, I think... I think first year I was not ready. I like, I don't know if I just didn't have the right people around me to kind of get me ready for that first year. Like it just from racing in BC at the time to going to a world cup, there was this huge discrepancy. And I think, yeah. And just like, I don't think I mentally was ready, ready for that jump. And so, yeah, I think got a year of racing and yeah, kind of like really wasn't feeling it, but I think the whole way along my, my like before junior career, I like, I was riding a Da Vinci and Gabe Fox was kind of helping me out anyways. Yeah. And then when I was with Norco, it just wasn't gelling just with the, the group there. Um, but yeah. And then I was like, I'm just going to go race BC cups and have fun. And then Gabe, Gabe Fox reached out. He's like, Hey, well, if you're just going to race for fun, well, why not come race world cups? We'll just, we'll get a start. We'll throw you on the couch or something. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Sure. Like that sounds awesome. And it was like Stevie and Mark Wallace and, uh, Brage at the time so it was like it was a pretty cool group of guys and like yeah. a bunch of guys I looked up to so I was like yeah that sounds fun and kind of just tacked on to the the back of them like yeah. if they had spare space I'd go stay I didn't do all the races that year but it was like yeah it kind of just got that confidence and all of a sudden it just started clicking like I I felt like I was racing again I wasn't just kind of surviving a world cup as a kid which yeah. there's a huge difference and I think yeah so it was some clicked and then I was like, wow, I can do this. And then, yeah, I just kind of just chipped away at it that whole year. And that was, that was one of my, I'm proud of myself for doing that. Cause that was one of my best racing years where every race, I just, I found a little bit more in myself and yeah, by the end, I, I almost, almost got fit at the last one, but yeah, yeah. it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So then in tw- into 2017 and you joined Kona 2018 yeah. moved to Canyon and you were just settling into the elite category. And then boom, big crash at the start of 2020, snapping your femur and your pelvis, which is a serious injury. Um, 
did someone say that was the first run of the day on that day yeah yeah so it was crazy it was like it was just a normal day and it's a trail we've ridden hundreds of times but just i i guess i there was a big puddle coming into a jump and i you know i don't know you can kind of lean back to get your front wheel over the puddle yeah and i just i guess i just did i was off weight somewhere and i just like leaned back and then launched forward and then kind of just bounced and then hit a tree and i hit i hit my knee on the tree so hard that it broke my hip and shattered my femur in one go but my knee is fine which is crazy but it was just like a full front on and when i got to the hospital the doctor's like if i didn't know you're mountain biking i'd say this is a gunshot wound because my femur was in just a thousand little pieces but yeah that it was that it sucked it was like yeah first time i'd ever have to like really on the couch not like just rec- Try, try to be back to a normal human being kind of thing so yeah 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 so How did they put that back together sorry i mean did they, yeah, no did they screw and plate that like yeah so it's basically they they put this giant metal rod down your femur that's <laughs> like and then they tack it in at the top and the bottom because usually those aren't broken oh, really? and then because mine was so broken it, it was like hard to find like how much space because you kind of have to put the bones you want to put as many of the bones together as you can mm-hmm. but there was a point where it wasn't like uh it's like non-union so it wasn't quite connecting oh. and then when i was riding at some point i snapped that bottom screw so finally the bones were touching okay. and then it, it started aching but then it, it like within two weeks it like did a huge amount of healing and then so maybe it was good i broke the bolt but yeah and then we had to pull the bolt out because it was kind of like it went from that to sit sideways and then like the head of the bolt was kind of catching on tendons and stuff so oh it was like a few little few little things i had to figure out there but it got back to normal is that an injury you've fully recovered from now yeah yeah like so it it was yeah it it took about i was riding down on bikes like three months after but um yeah. probably took a year till all the aches and pains went away and like and just because of the because i broke my hip there's like the, um they're saying when i'm old my my hip joints are probably going to be pretty sore but yeah. yeah like so far yeah nothing nothing now so it's pretty good good yeah so obviously after a big injury like that like i mean for 2020 you couldn't really do anything but i guess with covid and everything <laughs> we yeah, we no, were kind of sitting on the couch anyway so um then 2021 you signed with forbidden and looked like yeah you have a good year and then you had obviously that uh, diagnosis of um what blood said cancer and um so yeah tell us a bit about that like how did you discover you're sick like in the first yeah year? well it's kind of funny like that whole year felt off and like yeah we were making changes and the whole like getting involved with forbidden it was a pretty long-term plan like all along from from the beginning of our, our kind of partnership or like getting together we wanted to develop a downhill bike and that was the main reason they brought me on board um so we were kind of always working at that and it was just like it wasn't a it wasn't going to be a full year of racing it was just going to be racing to be to keep up racing but we were going to do it properly 2021 20 or 2022 and yeah 2021 2022 so Mm -hmm. um that was always kind of the plan but yeah it was i spent a lot of time training and every time i was training it was like i couldn't i could never feel recovered and just like felt off but i think um i was i was 20 22 23 at the time so it was you just kind of write that off as i'm training too hard or maybe i need to be more fit so i need to train more and like you're not gonna i don't think anyone goes i have cancer when they feel sick like or feel tired like they're like we're all like athletes kind of you're just probably training too much so it was a lot of just yeah being a little young and naive like but you don't want to think worst case anyways but yeah so it took a a little while to kind of like get to it but i just every time like with vaccines and things and i'm i'm 
think everyone's got their own choice. But every time I got a vaccine, it was like I'd have a lot of inflammation in my lymph nodes and it'd persist and I'd be exhausted for a week or two, which just, yeah, with white blood cell cancer, like with the lymphomas, like it's your immune system not working properly. So I think mm-hmm. some, that was, if anything, the vaccines helped me get find out that it was going on just because without them, I probably would have just continued because they actually gave me a reason to be like, oh, something feels off. Like mm-hmm. not because of the vaccine, but it. Yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. Re- reaction, your body reaction to it. Yeah. It might, um, yeah. It was a, it was a very strong reaction, but I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's part of the, part of the deal is when you get them, but yeah. And then eventually it just got to the point where like my neck was so swollen, I couldn't like turn it my, and just like aching and, and pains. And I was having night sweats, which is like, that's, that's generally a bad thing. And yeah. And it took a while to get it diagnosed just because they have to, to, to actually diagnose it. They have to take one out and cut it up and hmm. like, look at it, all these lymph nodes, cause they're all over your body and they help distribute yeah. the white blood cells. So hmm. yeah, once they did that, we finally yeah got the diagnosis of like stage three, which like stage one is there's just one lymph node. Stage two is there's a couple. And then stage three is top and bottom of your body. And then stage four is like, it's gone to a different organ. So mm-hmm. I was stage three and that's good. And the type of cancer I had, it would have had to go through my entire body's lymph- lymphatic system before it went to another organ. So okay. it probably wasn't going to get much worse than it was, but it was still really hard and scary because yeah, it was just, just kind of a kid and didn't yeah. know what the hell was going on. Yeah, for sure. When you get, when you get given a diagnosis like that, it must be like, pretty pretty heavy thing to hear i don't know how it was for you like you can only imagine for people that don't have like health issue but how was it for you to like hear that as like a 20 were you what oh, 20, yeah. I don't, yeah well like i just think of when i even like going to the clinics like when i do my chemos i'm the i was the only kid there like people will spend their whole lives and they go through this stuff and they might have people they know who've gone through cancer so they have another idea but like 22 i've I know maybe I knew like two or three people who had gone through cancer. I didn't know them that closely. And like, I didn't know what I was in store for. I didn't know what it meant. Was I going to die? Like, and Google's awful when you have any kind of medical yeah. problem, because you just go down rabbit holes <laughs> and get worried. So I was Googling, but you know, what do you do? You're like kind of in the dark. So I was trying to figure it out. And yeah, just stressful. Like, yeah. Like, do I have gays? Do I have mud? Like, you don't know. It's just like, it was yeah. freaky for sure. Yeah. Cause um, I don't know if you, you know, uh, also George, like Mariana Salazar. Yeah. Um, yeah. The girl that used to like, I think she's, she's probably going to stop racing now, but yeah, she got diagnosed with breast cancer now yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't know the detail about her conditions, but the only thing that I talked to her a little bit, because obviously she's like a racing friend and she was just like, she's just like, she doesn't know, like she has, she doesn't know what's a thing. She doesn't know what's like the unknown of like, and the fear of the unknown of this disease was like probably the point that was like yeah. Yeah. affecting her. So probably that's what you, you felt as well. Yeah. And I, like, I have sympathy for older people who get cancer, but I think it's a, it's a different shift as a kid. Like you haven't lived yeah. the life, like you haven't checked off the boxes of, I want to do this. I want to do that. Or, or just yeah. general ideas. You haven't experienced that much. So yeah. I think, I think it's harder for younger people just because yeah, yeah like you don't know and you're scared of what you're going to miss or what you like didn't do already. And yeah, it's, it's oh, like, it's a horrible pressure. And I mm-hmm. feel, I feel for everyone who has cancer, but I also feel for younger people yeah so how about your treatment like you have you had you said you talked about chemo like um talk us through the treatment what does it mean for people that have no idea yeah i mean like it's it's all going to depend on your cancer like i i now know people who've got different ones and it's a way different protocol than whatever but it's it is it's just pretty relentless and like you have to it's just you go and go and go and it's kind of 
I hate it because it's that backwards idea of you kill your body first to get better, which that's incredibly hard. And there's going to be repercussions to that one day, I bet. But um, and that's I just wish people would take their health seriously now. Like if you, you got it, keep it and do what you need to because, man, it sucks to do the chemos and to have to like, yeah, kill yourself to get better because that's essentially, yeah, it just rips your body apart. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me, though, is just trying to get into like a good routine because, yeah, like I... I wanted to ride my bike and like, I realized quickly, like that really made me happy. And like riding downhill was, it's pretty easy in comparison to trail riding or any kind of fitness stuff. Cause you get a ride up and you can ride down and you stop and you get tired and keep riding. So immediately I was like, oh yeah, I can do downhill. It's what I like to do anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of just trying to find, find things to keep me busy where I could still be active, but I was still resting lots. And it, it just got into a routine where I'd rest about a week and then I'd do like, a week of riding and kind of, and once I realized I could train a little bit, I started training and riding and kind of, cause I just set my, my set my sights up cause it was just about six months of chemo that I had set up right at the beginning. I was supposed mm-hmm. to get it, get it done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, at the end of that, I want to be in the best. I don't want to be deep in this hole. I want to try to just be, I want to try not to lose any if, if I can, but if I'm just a little bit lower, that's better. So I, I trained really hard. And then when I got that, the, the news that it wasn't done, I was pretty discouraged, but I, yeah, the doctors kind of gave me the, gave me a bit of time to, to go play, which was good. Yeah. So you, you were still riding bikes then, like you just like, also sometimes going, I heard you going to, you were cycling to some of your chemotherapy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like the first, the, I got chemo, I got chemos Mondays usually every, every chemo actually, except for the transplant, but every chemo was a Monday. And I remember the first week I rode like 150 K on my road bike. Obviously I was feeling the best because it was only one chemo, but, but then, yeah, I, I think I rode downhill every single weekend, except for maybe a holiday where I have to go visit my family, but like every single weekend of chemo the following Monday and the weekend before my next treatment. And then, yeah, every treatment I, every single treatment I've done, I rode a bike too, just because I felt like I wanted to make sure I was doing it my way. And like, yeah, like I, I love bikes, whether I'm, and I always kept saying like, if, even if I can't ride downhill at a competitive level, like bikes make me happy. There's something about it. I think we all kind of yeah. share that, like just that movement, that feeling that like that freeness, that healthiness, like you feel healthy. You're not, you don't have time to think about much else when you're riding. You just, you're in that moment and you're healthy. And that was my escape in so many ways. So yeah, I just, I made it a point that I, I want to just ride my bike to these things. Cause if I'm doing that, I'm not letting the the cancer change how I want to do things, even though I have to deal with the cancer, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, which I wanted to ride there because yeah, bikes are awesome. Excellent. That's a great attitude to have in, in, you know, and a great way to try and overcome it. But six months of treatment and then February this year, you found out you still had cancer. Yeah. Was, was that, was hearing that harder than hearing it the first time? Oh, that was that easily like the worst day of my life and like way worse than the first time just because yeah like I I think you just get in my head I put so much work in and I was actually feeling pretty good and like yeah I kind of when I first got diagnosed I, I took it easy and then I realized oh I can actually do a lot so I was like I'm gonna do as much as I can until I feel tired and then I never really hit that point where like oh I have to just lay down all week every week I was just like, oh, okay, like I can still ride. I'm going to go as hard as I can. And then I got there and I was like, I've done it. I'm good. And this is a great spot. And then all of a sudden I had so much expectation for like, I'm going to go race. I'm going to feel good. This is done. And like, I remember going into that doctor's appointment and I like, he told me I had it. And then I just remember nothing. Like just, I fully just deny, like, I don't know what it's called, but you just, yeah, 
can't even comprehend what they're saying after that. Like, and it was just, yeah, super, one of the shittiest days of my life just because, yeah, now it's not done. And, oh, the next thing is a stem cell transplant, which is not, not really the place you want to be. So I was like, yeah, super discouraged. But on the flip side, they said, yeah, like you've done a lot of treatment. We can't really give you treatment right now because you got to let yourself recover. And I was like, okay, well, can I go race some bike races? Like, I want to go to Costa Rica. I want to go to France. Like, what's the deal? They're like, yeah, like if you think you're good enough, like totally fine. Like, but we're not going to say what's right or wrong here. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to Costa Rica in two weeks. So, so we'll just let, deal with it. Let me just jump in here because this is just staggering. So despite this news, you don't just go racing. You go race Pan American Championships and you get second to Deco Malale. Yeah, and then, yeah. Then you got a Lords and try and race a World Cup, and you get 69th in qualifying, and you're only a second off qualifying for the race. That must have, yeah. that must have given you a big lift. Well, I was just like, well, I had spent, like, I, I had trained really hard through the winter, and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to make, like, that's worth it to me to just, I want to go race. Like, I, this is what I love to do. I might not feel my best. There might be things that, like, hold me back. But, like, if I have the opportunity, it makes sense. And, like, Pan Am's happened, uh, there happened to be two races at the same track, back-to-back weekends in Costa Rica. And I'd never been to Costa Rica, so we kind of got a couple of guys together, and we just went, and, like, I got some points. Because I, I didn't want to be in the beep. I didn't want to make it any harder. So I was like, I want to get enough points <laughs> so I can be A practice. So I don't have to, like, have these crazy days. And the rest will, and it'll be okay. So, like, Pan Am's, like, probably be able to do pretty well nico's there so if like we were racing it was fun yeah but yeah i just i just felt like it was my i don't know i wouldn't have like i would have hated it if i just sat at home and did nothing like i think i think you just that makes you feel helpless whereas when again like the same thing like riding my bike like it empowers me to like to do it my way and to overcome whatever like unless I'm, i there's days when i don't feel it and i have to sit but like i think there's a lot of those days for everyone where they're on the fence where it's like well if you go do it you just did it and now it's not going to be that hard next time to go and try and do it and it snowballed like crazy and yeah i was super bummed with lords like it was i would have just i don't even like if i would have got 60th i would have been like that would have been a win i would have just loved to just race despite but i think yeah my body wasn't ready and like i i had i think i had a pretty good top split but then yeah my i faded and then i just didn't have the strength because at home i was i was getting up to like a two minute about a two minute track at home and that was, I could do that pretty consistently, but three minutes was always push. And then just, yeah, a, a World Cup track's a whole other level of rough. So it was, it was quicker to get tired at those ones. But I think if you'd have qualified for that race, that would have been the vid- biggest victory of this season. Like, yeah, that's oh, just I, insane. Yeah I, just, yeah, I think it's just, I want to, sh- like, I've always just wanted to show people, like, it is worth doing the things you love because yeah. there's like, like those moments don't come back. And, and then, when I put it into context, like in my head, it was like this, this could be my last world cup ever, like opportunity to do it. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Like it's, it's cancer. It's scary. And like, it's cancer is either life or death in a lot of people's cases, or it's like managing the symptoms in a life that you might not want to yeah. live. So it's like, if I felt like I could do it, I was doing it and it got really hard. And like, I, at, when I was at that race, I remember there was like, there was a few lymph nodes that were like kind of getting really sore and they were kind of pushing on stuff on the inside. So it was like, it was starting to get really uncomfortable, but I was like, it's just going to be a week or two more and then I can go home and chill. But I was like, it just, yeah, the, like Maddie and the, the whole forbidden team were so supportive. Just like, yeah, you, no one, no one's ever made me do anything. Like yeah, no, no, no. Said, you have to go race. This is all my, yeah. my crazy stupid idea but it was yeah it was just what i felt like i had to do in the moment so back to canada 
back to chemo. Then you get COVID. But in July, you had a stem cell transplant. Tell us a bit about what happens there, because it's basically a bone marrow transplant. Yeah. Is, is yeah. That right? So it, it, it's pretty sci-fi, honestly. Like I, all the stuff, like the, the modern medicine is amazing, but again, it has a drawback. I'm so against, like now having gone through it, I just want everyone I care about to, to treat their bodies good because I would never want them to go through what I did. But yeah, it's like they basically, they give you this drug that releases stem cells in your body because stem cells are that very basic cell that can become any cell. So there's, yeah. they give a drug, it releases it into your bloodstream. And then you go in and they have like one tube hooked in one arm and one tube hooked in the other. And they take blood out and they filter the stem cells and then they give you back your blood. So then they, they throw that on ice for a couple of weeks. And then you basically go into the hospital and you're in intensive care. You can't leave the room. Everyone who comes in is like hazmat suit style. Like either you're, you're pretty delicate there and you do a week straight i did chemo like first thing when i woke up and then like basically when i was trying to go to sleep they'd come in at like 10 and give me another one i did that for five days and then i did two days of this really hard drug that like really hard chemo drug that that kills everything and that's when like basically the whole idea is to just completely like rip your immune system and your bone marrow clean that way when they give you your stem cells it's kind of like a system reboot where they they get it all going again so like after that chemo, like, yeah, my, my immune system went to zero. My red blood got really low. Like it's kind of just barely hanging in there. And yeah, it was scary. And like, those were, that was like, those are the darkest days where just like, I remember laying in bed, like looking at the food tray, which is not very appetizing. Hospital food sucks. <laughs> and like, I like, I, it took me 45 minutes to like go from lying down to sitting up to like sitting on the edge of the bed to walking over to the food. And like, every, it was just, and I was in there for like a month and it was like, it took, it took a while to, to like get that energy back. But then before, and then, so basically you do that and you wait a couple of days and then they, yeah, they flush you in with your own stem cells and it hopefully it, it gets it going again. And because that, yeah, so stem cell transplants different than bone marrow because a bone marrow transplant, you have a donor who donates their bone marrow and it, yeah. And there's a bit of a risk that it doesn't, it doesn't unionize. And then that's a pretty real problem, but cause it was my own stem cells. There was no risk. It was going to get rejected. So it was, it was the easier of the two, but still, yeah, not Insane. fun. Insane. Yeah, sounds, sounds like a hell of a process before you went through that. Did they discuss with you your survival chances if you didn't have that treatment or was it never even a conversation? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if I didn't, but it, I think it was like, I think it's about 60% chance that that worked sort of thing. Like it's not a hundred and like people who have bone marrows, it's like 10%. Like it's not, yeah, not a very, it's, it, it, it's, it's along the line of treatments for sure. But yeah, like not a, yeah, not just because yeah, you put your body into such like a, you rip it apart and then yeah. try to save it the last second kind of thing. So yeah, like just scary. And it took a long time to like mentally like wrap my head around that, like what, what that really meant. And like, if, if life doesn't go the way it's going afterwards, like how, how am I going to feel about that? Am I going to be okay with that? And it took a lot of time to like think and understand like my own feelings towards it and unbox stuff. Cause yeah, like you, you, you kind of protect yourself by not talking or like not dealing with the thoughts, but when you're in that state, it all bubbles out and you gotta, yeah. you gotta work through it. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned before that the day they told you you still had cancer was the worst day of your life. Earlier this month, you got the news that the cancer is now in remission. Yeah. Talk us through the feelings that you had on that day. That day was weird because 
because of the last time it was the worst day, I was like, I am not planning my life beyond Wednesday at 10 a.m. Like my life after that appointment doesn't even exist. Like I'm not going to think about what could be or what, like either way, good or bad. Like I'm going to wait because I had after on that first time I got the news like that I still had it. I had planned I was going to go do this. I was going to do that. And the expectations were so high. So I was just like, fuck that. I'm showing up for that appointment and then I'm going home and making a plan because I'm not, I don't want to be so emotional about it. Yeah. But yeah. And then I, but then because of that, I had, I had nothing planned. Like my parents were over and we didn't know what to do. Like we were, Oh, it's good. We're good. And then we just, we just hung out and it, that it took about three or four days for it to really sink in and to like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, this is done. Like I, I'm at the spot I've dreamed of being at for a year now. Like, yeah. But like, just, just weird. Like just walk the dog, hung out with my parents laid in the sun like this yeah kind of soaked it in but it didn't it didn't hit me like a cannon whereas like the first time i was going there i was ready for it to be like yeah i'm lucky i beat this whereas the second time i was like oh like i guess we did it and we don't have to worry about it and for yeah anymore yeah sure so I, I guess i have two questions uh the first one is does, does that mean it's completely gone do you still need to have any treatment oh uh, so yeah so no more treatment but yeah just with cancer like i think you can never say it's cured you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you, your body has had that kind of error in the, in the cells. So there's obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm more prone to having that again, regardless of the stem cell transplant. So, but yeah, like it for now, like doctors like, yeah, like you're done, you're cancer free, you're in remission, like don't, don't worry about it. And because of that, yeah, there's no more treatments. It's just like get healthy and get the body working again yeah. and like working really hard with naturopaths and the right people that kind of give my body what it needs to heal. Cause there's, it's still a long ways because you, you do rob yourself of so much energy and, and like, yeah, sit laying in a hospital for a month you, in a bed, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors there. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the second question was, have you got to the stage yet of making the plan you didn't make? Now you've had the good news. Yeah, uh, it's, I'm putting it together. I still, I kind of, once I realized, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take December. I'm going to ride. I'm not going to, I'm going to be active. I'm trying to ride my road bike and doing some rowing. And I can't really go into gyms yet just because I'm still pretty immunocompromised. But I have, my sister has like a little set of weights. So I'm just doing some, a yeah, little bit of weightlifting and just kind of being active, but really casual and yeah, kind of starting to piece it together. Like, yeah, working, yeah. talking to Maddie, kind of getting things sorted, figuring out what races I could go do early in the year. Cause yeah, I realistically, I haven't raced that much in the past couple of years here. And that's weird. Cause like I want to race, but having not raced, there's always that kind of dealing with that mentally. Like I, you need to get into that headspace of competition again so yeah, for yeah sure. we're, we're putting the plan together nice so obviously you've been through a hell of a journey in this amount of time um, and hopefully it's a journey that not many people do have to go through how's it left you feeling now is it has it changed your attitude to, to life itself or oh yeah like day and night like i i was yeah i was 20 22 or 23 when i got diagnosed and like i had learned more in the last year than i had in that whole time like it's just like you don't you can't i don't know if you can really get to the spot where you like acknowledge how precious like life and health is until yeah. you're you get you have that kind of idea of death over your head and i think yeah especially as a younger person like if you get diagnosed it's like it's not like you miss you feel like you've missed things or you you're going to be robbed of things and it's it's so impossible to like yeah really feel comfortable that whole time and yeah i just think like it's going to be a long road and with the changes i've made now for the treatments I've, i'm going to carry through the rest of my life because i think it's just it's just fundamentally healthier to live with like a, a way of living that's not going to strain your body yeah. I, I ate awful before like i didn't or not awful awful but i had a lot of sugar 
I wasn't super stressed with the types of foods or where they're coming from and all these little things that, yeah, they're super annoying, but like they are worth it. And you do feel better once you make the change. And like, it's not going to feel better tomorrow, but after a month of doing it, you're like, oh man, like I don't have to eat as much. I'm not constantly hungry. I still feel energy. And like, so it's kind of, it's these longer changes that like don't work like medicine, but food is medicine when you consistently use it. Right. So for sure. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, so you think like being a racer, like in this type of situation, like being competitive, uh, that nature that we have as a racer is going to, it had helped you to, to, to fight, to fight that disease. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Like you, well, just, yeah, my whole approach was like, I'm going to take this, like, I'm going to come at this competitive. Like I want to be the person who can, yeah, who can ride to every single chemo and like that, that's the person I am. And it's not, I wasn't going to back down kind of thing. Like it was me versus that. And at, at some point I realized it was me versus me where my mm -hmm. body created that cancer for one reason or another. Like I, you can't deny that I'm not a smoker. I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not actively trying to put stuff in my mm -hmm. body that would cause it. So I think once I came to terms that like, this was myself, like trying to better myself would only help the situation and accepting that it is my within me to create and destroy the cancer like that. That's huge in that whole process because yeah and I, i took a lot of responsibility for the treat like for my recovery and like going through everything like i think some people may just do exactly what the doctor prescribes and never mm -hmm. question it never worry about it which that's i totally understand that because it's so overwhelming but yeah because because i felt like i i needed to do more and i wanted to do more and as like a racer and an athlete you're always looking how can i get ahead how what what thing can help me mm -hmm. i reached out to everyone i could i tried to do all the little things and like i think it all all those million little things they always pay off not never like i'm sure there'll be one or two big jumps but it's always those, those mm -hmm. tiny the tiny things that might not seem like a big deal that usually pay off in the end well i guess it's like it's a little bit about like you having this decision you have no control on And then suddenly like you are in that process and then for you to make all this research and like, it gives you a little bit of a sense of a control, I guess. Like, okay, oh, I'm doing something to 100%. and not just follow yeah. like, kind of a treatment. Yeah, it puts the power, it gives you power in a, in a pretty helpless situation. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. As you said, it's just, you're not, you're not sitting there just hooking up to the IV. Like I'm doing that. I'm getting my, I'm getting some exercise. I'm eating really good. I'm avoiding sugar because the sugar feeds it. And like, You do all this stuff that you now know, yes, I'm doing my part. The medicine's going to do its part. And hopefully that's going to add together. So last weekend, 69 days after a transplant, you go uh, to do a bike race again. Um, I guess maybe that was in your head as well. Like you're like, ah, oh, I want to go racing again when I'm, when I'm family, like in remission. Like, is it like, like the big dream that you had? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm super fired up and I had a lot of fun out there. Like I had, I'd only ridden about five times before that, like the race weekend there. So I, I was a bit rusty and we got a new bike and it's just, it's not really riding to go race. It's just riding to like, okay, I can still ride. I'm not, I haven't lost it kind of thing, which I think was, you know, you have that fear if, if you haven't ridden for a month or two, you're like, oh, can I, can I go remember how this story Last weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it, yeah. Anyways, I yeah, just, cool. yeah, showed up and it was just cool because yeah, it's a BC Cup, so it was just again like kind of where I started and all the people I've been around for years, like just seeing all their faces together and everyone's doing what they love. And I got burnt out. Like it wasn't. It was a pretty short track, so I was lucky. But still, like I'm not. I have a long ways to go with the recovery. But it was more just to do it for myself and to to show up and yeah, do a yeah. bike race because that's what I love to do. 
so what's the plan now? Do you have like any plan like riding wise or racing wise? Oh, well, I think I'm going to, yeah, work on, work on stuff through the winter and just see, just make sure it's like all good and kind of reassess in January, but yeah. yeah, plan to go get back to racing. I think Maddie's going to make sure there's, there's somewhere for me to hang out in the tent kind of thing if I want to get to the world cup. So yeah, if I'm feeling it, I'll be there, but I just, yeah, I'll, obviously the health is number one and some people don't feel that great till about a year after. But mm -hmm. I think also when I look at my trajectory compared to others, I'm moving a lot quicker. So I'm confident I can get back to it. But yeah, kind of start, start doing real training and seeing how that feels in November, October. Um, and yeah, kind of just see where, see where life takes me. Cause yeah, for now it's just, it, the, they, they kind of give you like a protocol of what you got to do in the first month. So The first six months, you're kind of just recovering and getting healthy and starting to exercise. So for me, that might be a little bit more than others, but it's it's still kind of just having fun and riding bikes. So, yeah. Cool. Well, look, what a story. Thanks for, for joining us on this episode. It's it's so good to hear that you're on the mend. And I, I think I, I'll probably speak for everybody when I say we can't wait to see you line up for a World Cup again. I, I hope you get there. And, yeah. and be best of luck with it all. No, thank you so much. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'm, that's, what, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. To be World Cup, but yeah, got to be realistic always. And a big shout out to Mariana Salazar as well. Yeah. Um, I hope she's on the men soon. Fuck cancer. Yeah. Um, well, that's all we've got time for in this episode. Another episode without mentioning Discovery, but we'll get there. I think that might be an episode on its own. Emmy, what do you think? Yeah, maybe in a couple of months, maybe we have more infos about that. Yeah, I have nothing. I have nothing to tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I need to do: Stacey Fisher has had an incredible season, but no one has been in touch with her. British national champion, two sixth place finishes this season at world level, and she's hungry and looking for a ride for next season. I said I'd give her a shout out, so get in touch with at Stacey Fisher twenty five on Instagram if you know of anyone who might be looking for a top female rider. Thanks to the sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb and SingletrackWorld.com. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up The Numbers. Thank you for your patience, everyone. While we went quiet for a bit, we'll definitely be back soon. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.